0: Don't should on yourself.
1: You're probably thinking that Anna just said shit. But she said should.
0: And that is a really important mantra that I've adopted in the last year or so. Because guess what I do all day? I should on myself. I should on myself. I should have known exactly what to say to my friend when they were venting to me earlier this week. Or I should have gotten up earlier. Or I should have packed a lunch so then I didn't eat crap
1: food at work today. I should have showered instead of put more dry shampoo in my hair. (laughs) we've all been there
0: <laughs> i have more dry shampoo on my head right now than hair <laughs> what dry shampoo yeah. do you use batiste oh okay it's great and it's the volumizing kind so then it makes my hair also not look as thin because i have really straight thin hair
1: i should have bought Batiste. is that how do you say <laughs> oh, it batiste. oh
0: batiste okay <laughs> i love it um, these are all things that we say to ourselves all day, every day and mm-hmm. you all listening could probably stick in a million other variations of that,
1: that you also say to yourself all day, every day. Yeah. Like I should have studied for this test. I should have said this, or I shouldn't have whatever, or you I know? shouldn't have. That's a whole nother mm-hmm. side to it. And like
0: 95% of the times that we do this, we're beating up our old selves with new information and you can't do that. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. You can't beat up old you with new information. That's yeah. not how it works. And most of the time, that's exactly what we're doing.
1: Yeah. And I'm trying to think of a perfect example of that, you know, like, I don't know, maybe the first time you touch a stove and it's hot, you know, exactly. And it's like, oh, I'm such a freaking and no, like, granted, no two year old that does that is like, I am dumb. That was hot. They just I like cry. Yeah. <laughs> but that like illustrates the point. Like you make a mistake and you learn and then move on but don't beat up yourself that made that mistake because you didn't know what you just learned yeah like I
0: think you know for example we've all had conversations with people where we've Mm -hmm. said something either in jest or or we've just said some offhand comment without realizing that it triggered the person we're talking to Mm -hmm. you know I've talked to someone before who I didn't realize they just broken up with someone and I made some joke about breakups and they burst into tears right like how was I supposed to know that person had just broken up with someone I didn't but my brain's immediately going to go, well, you should have known. like You should have been more sensitive when I couldn't have been more sensitive because I didn't know.
1: It's pointless, you know, like you're wasting time on like what's going on right now when you're beating up your old self. and often, When you should on yourself, y'all.
0: Yes. Oh. And often rumination and shitting on yourself go hand in hand.
1: So before we give the definition of what we're talking about today, um, we want to do this little activity. So I'm gonna read a bunch of symptoms of this type of perfectionism. And as I'm just listing off these things, I want you to think in your mind to what extent you relate to each of them. Maybe you don't at all, maybe you totally do. You're like, yes, that's me. So just think, listen, and ponder. You hold yourself to unrealistic expectations and beat yourself up when you do not measure up. You give other people more slack than you give yourself. You lack self-compassion, and instead of self-compassion, you self-loathe. You sacrifice your identity, your true self, to create bonds with other people. You experience an inability to celebrate successes because you're always looking for flaws of how you could improve next time or how you could have done that better. And you obsess over accomplishments. And another way to say that is you base your worth on accomplishments Mm -hmm.
0: it's tied to your your character yeah Mm -hmm.
1: i relate to pretty much every single one of those so i I don't don't know about you guys but (laughs)
0: like you just read my autobiography basically Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) those list of symptoms introduce perfectly what we're talking about today which is self-oriented perfectionism and every other type of perfectionism is essentially a baby of this Mm -hmm. it all stems from this it Mm -hmm. all comes from this Self-oriented perfectionists have high personal standards, expect to be perfect, and are very self-critical if they fail to meet those high expectations. So basically, the two dimensions of perfectionism wow. we talked about, just want to like call back to that. Um they adhere to strict standards while maintaining strong motivation to attain perfection and avoid failure. And lastly, they engage in excessive or extreme self-evaluation. Essentially, self-oriented perfectionism is rejecting anything less than perfect. So then when you aren't perfect, when you mess up, you essentially reject or refuse to accept yourself. Which is where self-loathing
0: comes in, Mm -hmm. right? Like we talked about in the symptom list. That's when you really start to loathe and despise yourself. For sure. A really good way to visualize this, I think, happened or or came to our minds the other night. Actually, while well, yeah, like Alicia and days I ago. were going on a run, um, we were running at night. Which, if you do that, please run with a partner mm-hmm. so you don't get into the an like, situation. And wear like really bright stuff. Wear bright stuff. Maybe carry pepper spray. Maybe. Anyway, yeah. that was a little life tip <laughs> that you didn't ask for, free of charge. Um, Alicia and I were running together and I go running quite a bit. And when we started running, Alicia was like, just so you know, Anna, I haven't ran more than like two feet in like six months. That's like gospel truth. You guys (laughs) I'm telling you and not that I'm an amazing runner, but I run like, I mean, I try to go every night ish every other night and I run like a couple miles and so I've just like become more adjusted to running. And as we were running, um, we'd gotten around to like a mile or two ish. And Alicia was like, can we take a break? And it's interesting because I can't remember if you said this or if I just assumed this. I was like, Alicia is probably thinking that I'm like, oh, she wants to take a break. Like, what a wimp. When in reality, I was like, oh, thank goodness. She wants to take a break. (laughs) I was like, oh, gosh. Because I also was like super tired and I was dying. And that is just a really good way to think about self-oriented perfectionism. Because if you're a self-oriented perfectionist, that's kind of how you approach life in general. Mm -hmm. You just assume everyone around you has got their ish together. They're doing fine. They're not tired. They're not stressed. They're doing everything perfectly. And you're the one who's like struggling for air or has a side ache or is going to throw up or pass out. And of course, this is all figurative and you can apply it to real life. And that can be really damaging because when you're in a relationship or a dynamic with someone who's a self-oriented perfectionist, especially if both of you are, Mm -hmm. um, whether it's, you know, it it can be romantic, it can be a marriage, it can be a boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend, we're all inclusive here, a friendship, (laughs) a family relationship, a work relationship, whatever it might be. If both of you are self-perfectionists, self-oriented perfectionists, and you're both like, I'm not going to be the one to ask for a break. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to slow this other person down. You're both going to run yourselves to death. Yeah. Like, if neither of you is is willing to be that person to step up and ask for a break, it's going to end badly. And there's a lot of, of course, it's a whole other conversation about how much stigma there is around asking for help and needing help and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think we've, as a society and world, have kind of hashed that to death. That doesn't mean it's gone away, unfortunately, but like... We all know there's a stigma around it and how it shouldn't be seen as a weakness but as a, as a strength but even then we still struggle to be the one to ask
1: for yeah it. totally mm-hmm. when like there's nothing wrong with asking for the break you know
0: yeah and how many times i think we all can resonate with that we've all been on tough hikes we've all been for on sure. tough runs we've all been in like situations where we're dying
1: and you're trying not to pant you're trying oh, to yeah. just breathe you're like basically anytime i go upstairs <laughs> at work
0: yeah. I'm like keep it together <laughs> I just breathe the most shallowly I can yeah. shallowly yeah so yeah that we can all resonate with that and we the, the responsibility if you realize that you're a self-oriented perfectionist and hopefully if you are one you will realize that after this episode mm-hmm. you then have the responsibility to be the one to break that pattern to be the one to create the space that gives yourself and others permission to take a break Be the one in your family to make that space. Be the one in your workplace to make that space. Be the one in your marriage, in your relationship to create that space that gives yourself permission to ask for and take a break and also gives the other people in that dynamic permission to ask for and take a break.
1: Yeah, for sure. And even if you didn't relate to all of the symptoms that I read earlier, I think every single one of us has moments of self-oriented perfectionism. Mm -hmm. You might not be like, you might not identify as a self-oriented perfectionist per se, but everyone has those moments. I don't even care who you are. Like, <laughs> everyone does. Everyone gets tired. Everyone's afraid to ask for help sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's because you assume no one else around you is struggling mm-hmm. and you're just the one drowning. But when you are the one to say something, it creates that space, just like Anna was saying, for others to be like, yeah, me too. Like I relate to that. And it like breaks this tension. And creates a space for connectionism. Connectionism? What? Yeah, that
0: that level of vulnerability, the level of vulnerability it takes to be the person to ask for that first is like the perfect storm. Mm -hmm. I hate that. Perfect storm, perfect situation. Storm has like a negative connotation. Um, It is like the perfect situation.
1: uh, Yeah, I I know what you're trying to say, but I can't like put the word. It it, is the perfect. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe like it's the perfect opportunity to create connection. Yeah, it breeds connectionism. Yeah, really well. Yes, and I know being vulnerable is awkward. I know being the first one to say like, hey, I need a break, or like in class if something's really hard to. That's another thing. Like in class, asking questions. No one wants to ask questions because no one wants to be the first one to like look dumb. You know. Oh, but how many times? Does but how many ask times? A question? Yes, and you're like, I was thinking that. Yeah. Like I wanted to ask that but I was too afraid. Yeah, and
0: here's the thing is that it's probably going to be messy, mm-hmm. not just the first few times, probably every time because vulnerability and mess are a package deal, right? And there's a lot that goes to that because I really like being vulnerable when it turns out really nice and shiny and pretty and perfect. <laughs> right? You know, like when I'm vulnerable and it turns out great, I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. I love vulnerability. Like, because I'm that still so being, much
1: fun. Yeah, because no. I'm still
0: being vulnerable, right? Yeah. If it turns out great, that doesn't mean I wasn't being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. But then when it, I'm being vulnerable and it's like, ugly and it's messy and it doesn't go well mm-hmm. that's when i really shy away from it and i'm like Ugh. and
1: maybe like give an example of that like when has it gone ugly for you just i curious. think
0: often yeah. for me so a lot of my perfectionism revolves around like conversations and communication mm-hmm. one of my main should statements is like oh i should have known what to say or i should have mm-hmm. said that better or i should have been able to articulate that in a more effective way etc um so When I'm having a crucial conversation with someone, like, oh, breakup conversations, so triggering for me. Because (laughs) afterward, I'm like, oh, I should have said this, and I should have done that, and I should have brought that up, blah, 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 blah. Um, So when I have, like, a breakup conversation, or when I have a conversation with a friend where I'm addressing issues in our dynamic that need to to be hashed out, that's – and it's ugly, and, like, the person doesn't take it well, or Mm -hmm. I don't say things the way I wanted to say them, or – It makes it worse that's happened before where i'm like i'm gonna do this have this conversation to make our friendship better and then it like creates more damage i'm like like,
1: good
0: yeah so as you're taking these brave steps to create the vulnerability then this goes back to perfectionism you cannot have the expectation that it's going to go perfectly yeah because if and when it doesn't then you're going to fall back in that cycle of the two dimensions we've talked about and you're going to beat yourself up and Mm -hmm. then set more unrealistic expectations So just just as you're engaging in this process and you're engaging in the steps it takes to be vulnerable and to be the person to admit that you're weak, admit that you have flaws, ask Mm -hmm. for a break, et cetera, even when it goes ugly, congratulate yourself for that. Yeah. Because the real reward is in the fact that you did it, not how it turns out.
1: Totally. And something just before we move on, like that I was just barely thinking about is being vulnerable and all of that hurts sometimes and it's uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and it's awkward And just sticking with this running slash exercising analogy so i mentioned i like lifting weights more than running you might know that not know that by looking at me but i do (laughs) um but when you like when you're lifting weights or when you're exercising it's like tearing muscles right Mm -hmm. and then they like heal and get stronger and that's like why you're sore because your muscles are tearing Mm -hmm. you know and that's like being vulnerable is like Tearing your muscles a little bit Mm -hmm. it hurts and it's awkward but there's no way to like get in shape or decrease maybe your body fat percentage or whatever the heck you're trying to do maybe just feel better about yourself it's not always a comfortable journey Mm -hmm. you can't like get good results like connectionism or feeling good about yourself or having a hard conversation whatever that may be without experiencing that uncomfortable sometimes painful not always perfect vulnerable situation yeah exactly yeah can i confess something yes
0: ma'am this is my first public comment on this what um, i'm excited what is this when i know i'm about to have a crucial conversation with someone i will literally record it on my phone shut up without telling them oh i don't know if this is me ma- yeah
1: oh my gosh i don't That's know if hilarious. this is like
0: hopefully people listening to this don't think i'm a psycho but it helps because i listen to that conversation And then afterward I listened to it and I'm like, oh, I was not very empathetic when that person was talking to me or I could have said X, Y, and Z. So back to like tearing up the muscles, like everyone knows how painful it is to watch yourself on camera or to listen to your like voice on recording Uh, to listen to a crucial conversation where you didn't say things perfectly. is like the most painful, but it Mm -hmm. tears down those muscles. So the next time I'm like, okay, next time I address this issue with a friend, I need to be a better listener or I need to give them more space to talk or wow. et cetera, et cetera.
1: That is kind of cool for this one class I took. It was, um, Oh, what was it called? Communication and conflict or something. Mm-hmm. We had to record a hard conversation. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do this? That's what started it. Oh yeah. my gosh. Cause Since when you're then saying that I was like, them. Yeah. going back to Brett Austin's class. Did you take it from Brett? Maria. Okay. Um, anyway, so, Yeah, I went back to that. I was like, oh my gosh, because he had us do that for an assignment, like record a hard conversation and then listen back to it so you could become a better communicator. But I could see myself being like, oh, I should have done this. I Mm -hmm. should have whatever. Anyway, that's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to move on from that topic and go to another aspect of self-oriented perfectionism, which is assuming that everyone else deserves way more slack than you do. Story
0: of my life.
1: Yeah. So a good situation of this is kind of just recently, like, at work, um, someone I work with is having a really hard, like, family situation right now. And so if she, like, comes into work, she's like, oh, I'm just having such a bad day. I just feel like this. Like, I'm so behind. Like, I don't know if I have the energy to do today or whatever. Like, I just need to go home. Mm -hmm. I'm like, do it. Give yourself a break. Like, oh my gosh, you're going through so much. Mm -hmm. Like, go take the break. You need it. What can I do for you? Blah, blah, blah. But then when I'm struggling or if I'm going through something, it's like, I don't deserve that break. Are you kidding me? Like, I have to still take on every task plus like and then some, you know, and I don't deserve that moment to like step back. But if someone else is struggling then, like, of course they deserve a break. Mm -hmm. They're amazing. But if it's me, it's like, no, why do you think you deserve a break? You know? Because
0: self-oriented perfectionism tells you, right, it's all about you have to be perfect. Your self, your literal self has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, self-oriented perfectionism, does not care what your situation is it does not care if you've had a death in the family if you've slept two hours that week if you just went through a breakup whatever it is it does not care it is like no you still need to do these things perfectly and you need to do everything you need to fill every role Mm -hmm. and do it all exactly how you should yeah
1: and you still need to get up every day you still need to exercise you still need to do this and this and this like you have to do everything and that's why it's so dangerous and damaging yeah
0: because then like you just said when other people are going through stuff and often other people are going through like less stuff than you are and you're still like oh they deserve a self-care day (laughs) but your brain's like but not you not (laughs) Not us we don't get that other people get that
1: totally another thing to give this more of like a concrete way of thinking i guess is something called fundamental attribution error so what it is is for example i say like someone is running late to class and i'm presenting And they walk in the back of the class and they, like, sit down and they're, like, on their phone. I could start to assume how rude. They are so lazy. They probably just slept in. They, like, are just texting because they don't want to pay attention to me, blah, blah, blah. But then when you are late, so reverse the role. If that person's presenting and I'm running late to class, it's because I couldn't find parking or it's because something went wrong. Like, it's not my fault. It's not, like, it's not because of my character, who I am. It's because of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's fundamental attribution error. But self-oriented perfectionism is that, but reversed. So if I'm late to class, it's because I'm lazy. I woke up late. It's my fault. You
0: should have been able to yeah, figure it out. You should on you yourself. Should have been on time. Uh
1: huh. Yes. And then if someone else is late, is like, oh man, like, what if they, what if they like got a flat tire on the way to school, or what if they whatever to drop kids off at the daycare and yeah. that's why they're
0: texting people is making sure their kids got there okay or you know yeah
1: so it's like assuming the best for someone else and then not giving yourself that break like we just mentioned or like assuming the worst with you mm, it's really like just increasing that chasm between mm-hmm. other people's virtues and our vices right and then fundamental error. i think it's important to remember like it's with other people you base their mistakes or whatever they do based on circumstance or no, I'm sorry, based on their character. Mm -hmm. And then you base stuff on you off of like circumstances. So think of that, but opposites. (laughs) (laughs) So,
0: So yeah. So you're now taking other people's actions and tying it to their circumstance. Yeah. And your actions, tying it to your worth. Yes. No matter the circumstance. Once again, self-oriented perfectionism does not care about the circumstance. No. It demands perfectionism (laughs) or perfection no matter what. And a lot of you, or I'm I'm guessing a good chunk of you, are probably um, individuals with high levels of empathy. Mm -hmm. Just the fact that you're drawn to a topic like this probably means that That you have high levels of empathy. And individuals like that are more prone to think this way, right? Because we have really high levels of empathy. We're more prone to give other people slack and to try to put ourselves in their situation and to try to Mm -hmm. feel what they're feeling. And then in turn, we're more vicious on ourselves. And so if you resonate with that, then maybe like try to see if this self-oriented perfectionist identity is something that you also resonate with. Cause it often goes hand in hand with being, what we call a hyper empath. Welcome to the team. High levels of empathy. Yes.
1: (laughs) You're in good company. You really are. So another activity we want to do is um, something I I also learned in school. It was a day that we were talking about, uh, I can't even remember. I think it was self-compassion or something like that. Um, The activity was to write down mean things you say to yourself. So just do this activity in your head. Write down something mean you say about yourself. For me, I don't know. What could I write? I'm like not qualified to, I don't even know. Maybe I'm not even qualified to do this podcast. Sometimes I think that. Like <laughs> I've only had that thought 95 like million times. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not qualified to do this. Like hear, who wants to hear this? I'm not pretty enough. I'm not, I'm not enough. smart enough. I i couldn't run as fast as Anna. I'm mm-hmm. not whatever. Um, so write, think of those sayings and then try to turn to someone else that you care about and say that to them.
0: Like and say it with the pronoun being you. So you. so where you would say where I would say like oh I'm not pretty, you would turn to this person and like I can't even she say can't this right even now. Say it I'm to like me. trying to look at Alicia like we're doing this for you people. Say it, Anna. I'm doing this for you. I am looking at Alicia. <laughs> Don't tear up, uh, Alicia. You're not pretty. Oh god. <laughs> like See? you can't do it. I can't even verbalize it to her. And how many times a day do I say that to myself?
1: Yeah. Or like someone else who's doing a podcast. How dare I be like? Who do you think you are?
0: running around
1: stealing hearts what are the oh, lyrics? Nice. sorry uh, <laughs> jar of hearts yeah who do you think you, you are
0: <laughs> Running around that's hilarious
1: wait what is it running around stealing heart
0: mm. no running around
1: i don't know shoot whatever Someone okay you know what i'm saying but who would have the balls to the do that. audacity that's <laughs> the <awesome laughs> word i was looking for like the audacity to do that you know try and do this you guys i freaking it's, dare you it is rough and like it's hard. when when i've done this
0: before we did like 10 things that we mm-hmm. say about ourselves and you had to say all of them to another person and it you was heart wrenching
1: i watched a bunch of strangers try and do it with each other when i first saw this activity in a class and i just kind of observed people doing it most of the time they couldn't even look each other in the eye and then they, like, started to blush or they were, like, getting embarrassed. And I think they were realizing, I say this to myself. In the mirror sometimes. In the I mirror. I look my own self in the eyes. And believe it. That's yeah. the dangerous part. Like, yeah. you actually believe that. And so look at those negative sayings and stop saying them, you guys, please. Yeah. And it's hard. It's
0: hard to just, you know, yeah, it's easier it's said than just done. just be like,
1: stop doing that. But, but. it
0: goes back to, to in the last episode, we talked about the the chair analogy. Get yourself out of the chair Mm -hmm. get yourself out of the chair step in on your own behalf yeah um so there was a study done on self-oriented perfectionism in 2015 and there's a quote from it that i love so in this study they took a big group of university students and just laid out a list of things that identify with the perfectionist self-oriented perfectionist identity and these are just questions and characteristics, and they asked them to report how much they resonated or related with those. Mm-hmm. Such as, I demand nothing less than perfection of myself, or people expect nothing less than perfection from me. And they just reported how much they related or didn't relate yeah, with Yeah, it's things. like one
1: of those scales, like strongly disagree or strongly agree. Mm-hmm. And this study led to some very interesting results. Yes, which
0: brings about this quote that I wanted to share. And it says, <laughs> regarding social value orientations, sorry, this is going to be a lot of jargon, but we'll break it down we'll and break make it, down. it a little easier. Yeah. It showed unique negative relationships with a competitive orientation, suggesting that self-oriented perfectionists avoid putting others at a disadvantage. They maximize the difference between one's own gains relative to the other's gains. So I said this in a little bit of a different way earlier. You know, you're... you're um, the chasm. The chasm. You're widening that chasm in this. I mean, they've done a study to back this up and this was one study of like a hundred I could have pulled from. Right. But, but self-oriented perfectionists will like refuse to put other people at a disadvantage. Self-oriented perfectionism is never going to allow me to think, Oh, maybe Alicia is a little bit tired while she's running Mm -hmm. ever. It's, it's going to insist that everyone else around you is doing great, is doing perfect. You would never put others at a disadvantage. And then you are just creating more and more space between what you're accomplishing and what other people are accomplishing, which is, again, another symptom of perfectionism, having that Mm -hmm. obsession over accomplishments. So like what Alicia just talked about with the fundamental attribution error, how we sometimes flip that on ourselves and in a really toxic, damaging way, the solution to this is kind of a similar thing, but it's not toxic or damaging. It's helpful and productive. Yeah, and this is something that I've, deemed role reversal and I'm sure that this is already a thing and that I didn't just come up with it but after struggling with this for so long I was like I've got to figure out a way to get myself out of ruminating and and get myself out of these situations Mm -hmm. and this is what I
1: came up with and that's what I called it so (laughs) it's really genius and I think it's Sorry, before you actually explain it, um, I think it's something if you struggle having empathy for other people, mm-hmm. it can help with that, too. Oh, totally. You know, like just trying to understand where other people are coming from. Anyway, that's a
0: great angle. No, I never yeah. thought about that. That's awesome. So basically, it, it's taking the idea that in these situations where we're not giving ourselves slack, but we're so willing to give other people slack, you just reverse the roles. So, for example, if I'm, like, in a conversation with someone and they say something kind of awkward or they say a joke that doesn't quite land. Yeah. Right? Tough crowd. Tough tough crowd. Tough crowd. (laughs) (laughs) It's been there, buddy. Yes. (laughs) Or I guess guess the situation would be if I did that, right? If I said something awkward or my joke didn't quite land and I'm then ruminating over that and I'm thinking about it again and again and beating myself up and now thinking, oh, I'm an awkward person. I'm not a funny person. I'm such a weirdo. I'm such a whatever. Mm -hmm. Taking that and thinking... Okay, if I was in a conversation with someone else and they said, that, and, and it's it's being very, very intentional about this, very specific, if I took what happened and I basically created another little person with my same characteristics, my same situation, my same everything, but they're not me, and they did the same thing that I had done, would I be hard on them at all? No. And most of the time, like most of the time, the answer is No. Yeah. Right. If someone in my exact situation with my exact same thought process that I'd had said the thing that I'd said and it was a little awkward or just didn't land very well, I would not be like, "Ooh, what an awkward person or what a not funny person, you
1: know, like, oh, my gosh, like I would be so embarrassed if I were them. Like, that was so dumb. But it's just kind of like, "Ooh, like. I would feel for them, you know, I would like like, feel for them and I'd give them, you know, like try to like make them feel better and like give them
0: like a little laugh, you know. But when I did it, when I said the awkward thing or made the bad joke, I was like, great, this is over. I I am the worst. It's
1: the end of the world. I can never see these people again. I have to quit my job. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's just like one example. And we all go through millions of different situations where we, we do something that we're not proud of or happy with. And we just beat ourselves up and we shit on ourselves. But Mm -hmm. if we just take that situation, create that other little person with the same things going on and realize how much slack we would give them, then you translate that slack to yourself. And you give yourself self-compassion and that eradicates
1: self-loathing almost immediately. Amen. And I think self-compassion is something really difficult to... I guess grasp. hone in, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like grasp, master, even start before even mm-hmm. mastering it. Like, it's it's hard. And there's a good book one of my professors gave me um, called Self-Compassion by well, Kristen wow. Neff. And there's a lot of good exercises in there to help cultivate self-compassion. And if it's something you don't know how to do, if you find yourself doing a lot of the things we've talked about today, maybe buy the book and just read yeah. it. Or maybe, like... We can do an episode about entirely self-compassion or something. Oh, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something that's really challenging to do. Um, But on that beautiful note Anna just left on, we're going to give you some takeaways. Takeaways. Number one, don't shit on yourself. Number two, the first step in battling self-oriented perfectionism is creating a safe space to take a break without judgment. The bonus to this one is that it helps others be willing to take a break as well. And you're most likely relieving other people when you ask for this break. So do it. Third, practice role reversal when experiencing moments of intense self oriented perfectionism.
0: And that's all we got for you, peeps. You're welcome. That is self oriented perfectionism. We shall
1: see you next time. My name's Anna. My name's Alicia. And, and this, this is, is Popping, Popping Perfectionism. perfectionism.